Father, I thank you for your favor and your goodness. Thank you for your overwhelming love. Thank you for the miraculous. Thank you for healing, oh God. Thank you for deliverance, oh Lord, in your people. You are refining us in these last days, bringing us into a place where we are more and more and more like Jesus Christ at the channel of God's righteousness and holiness flowing through us, oh God, would be a radiant beacon to all those that are lost and walking in darkness. I speak life out over this congregation and the anointing of God that destroys satanic yokes of bondage in the name of Jesus. I speak the miraculous out over this congregation in the name of our Christ and our King. And I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' wonderful name. Use me, oh God, in these next few moments that we spend together, we have together. Use me, Holy Spirit, to teach your word and instruct your word and to convey those things that you have placed upon my heart this morning, my Lord. In the name of Jesus, and I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus awesome name. We're going to do something a little different here right now. It's something I really believe that the Lord has laid upon my heart for, uh, for these two services today. And, and I don't know if it's just an element of God's spirit just dealing so strongly with me or if my blood pressure dropped. I don't know. <laughs> one, one or the other, but I want to believe that it's God's spirit dealing with me, but it's just a sense of, uh, of awesomeness. Uh, a sense of weakness, if you will. But the scripture says, let the weak say they are what? Strong. Let the weak say they are strong. And the weak, weaker we are in ourselves, the stronger we become in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't do this often. I think Nathan just did it a week or so ago. But uh, I'm going to ask you to take the hand of the one next to you there, if you would. And I really believe that the Lord wants us to take a moment and prophesy over one another. You may say, well, I'm not a prophet, Pastor. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Now, I want you to listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I really believe that this is so crucial and this has been so made so aware to me just this morning. The necessity of prophetic word out over our lives Oftentimes we're speaking death and destruction over ourselves. Do you realize you're prophesying that? And as the scripture says, life and death are in the power of the tongue or in the words that we speak. First Corinthians chapter 14 says this, verse one, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. And no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he or she who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to people. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who, he who prophesies edifies the church. 
Paul says this, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Moses spoke back in Numbers chapter 11 and declared that he wishes that all of God's people would be prophetic in nature. And what I believe the Spirit of God is desiring for us to do is just take a moment right now. Take a moment right now and declare the word. You might say, well, what is, what should I declare? Declare the word of God out over them. The word of God is the will of God, the purpose and the plan of God. So I'm going to ask you just right now, if you would, and not even silently, I would ask you to speak out and just prophesy over the one on your left and over the one on your right in the name of Jesus Christ. Husbands, prophesy over your wives. Wives, prophesy over your husbands. Mother and father, prophesy over your children. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare health and healing and favor out over my wife in the name of Jesus. I declare the goodness of God out over my sons and their families in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I prophesy the will and the purpose and the plan of God out over this church in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would move mightily within our midst and manifest his glory and his power and his fire in Jesus' awesome name. That we truly indeed would be a beacon of light on a hill through Christ our Lord and Savior. I prophesy favor and prosperity, goodness, healing, and the miraculous out over this body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. We declare life. We declare life. We declare life in the name of our Christ and our King. And we thank you now, thank you now, Lord, that you have declared over us that we are to prophesy that the body of Christ, the church, would be edified in Jesus' awesome, awesome, awesome name. We declare truth. We declare favor. We declare the goodness of God out over favor and blessings through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' awesome name, if you're in agreement with that, say amen and amen. Can you give him praise? Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We have our word of life confession. Make your proclamation known into the realms of the heavenlies. Hallelujah. Man, that'll just kind of leave you drained. The Spirit of God is moving through the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Here we go. Jesus, be glorified in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. My heart is open to receive the ever-living, never-changing Word of God. The Word that is changing my life, healing my body, setting me free. My faith is growing and I am living in the favor of my God. I declare it. I believe it, and I receive it by faith, for I am blessed again. I am blessed. One more. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you so much, church.
Well, this is a different kind of a Sunday today, I must admit that, and uh, just so many things that are running through my heart to share with you. Um, so many people had shared with me the message last week and how it really ministered to them and, and um, um, even brought the peace of God within their lives and challenged them in order to be more than what, what they are. As I've been challenged even recently to be more than what, what I am. Our text for today is found over in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now I understand that a lot of people may think that that's a suggestion but that is a command in the word of God. A command in the word of God. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliver, isn't this an odd thing that in the very next verse, the author of Hebrews, which many feel is Paul, the apostle Paul, in verse 26, dear friends, after he just finished talking about how necessary it is for the church body to meet together. And we can see that even as the things that the Lord had laid upon my heart as we prophesy over one another. I believe that those prophetic words are going to take root and begin to manifest in the lives of our people here at Word of Life and our Word of Life family online. That the truth of the Word of God prophetic word is going to take root and manifest dear friends now if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins a few days ago a few actually a few mornings ago very early in the morning I woke up with these words running through my heart demons need fed and I thought that is such an odd thing. Demons need fed. Who wants to wake up to that? Demons need fed. And I began to ponder this and think about this. Is this the Holy Spirit endeavoring to show me something? And please, Holy Spirit, reveal your truth in this. And the more I meditated, I thought, well, demons are spirits. And we're talking about demons need fed. Yes, there is spiritual food. There is spiritual food. We understand the word of God is spiritual food. But listen to this over in Psalm 78. They don't have this because this, I wrote this in after I gave them uh, the scriptures. Psalm 78 verses 24 and 25. God rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. Watch this. They ate the food of angels. They ate the food of angels. And verse 32 says this, but the people kept sinning. In other words, they continued to feed the evil. They continued to feed the demons that were endeavoring to affect their lives, to bring them into a place of corruption and destruction. 
And unfortunately, every one of us in here today, we're guilty of that. We're guilty of feeding the demons. Well, how is that possible? Every act of disobedience on our part does not necessarily invoke, let's put it that way, or even remove the blessing of God. But every act of disobedience causes demonic influence that's endeavoring to destroy our lives. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Every act of our disobedience is feeding the evil that wants to bring destruction in our lives. I just wrote this scripture down in my office before I come out here. Let me see if I can find it here. Maybe it's on here. Yes. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 3. I mean, this begins to all fit together, dear ones. All right? Plus, it goes along with what I've been sharing with the... Uh, this thing is bothering me because it's all curled up and I don't like that. There. I fixed that. And by the way, I'm not growing a beard. Okay? I'm in character for return to Bethlehem. Because I'm not growing a beard because my wife has already informed me that the beard comes off after Bethlehem. I've had 50 years of happy marriage. I'm not going to end it over a beard. <laughs> Amen. Colossians, listen to this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. So Paul's speaking to the church at Colossae. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Listen to what he's saying. That within certain believers, some believers, these evil things are lurking. And the enemy wants to use them to tempt us to move over into a place where we invite or open the door to the workings of evil and the workings of satanic influence. Each and every one of us here, one way or another, we feed demons that are endeavoring to destroy our lives. And how do we do that? We feed these demons with words of complaining, Murmuring, gossiping, lies. Fortifying evil thoughts within our minds. Allowing these things to take over our understanding. And eventually act them out. But the wonderful thing about this is Jesus Christ has given us authority. That we can push back the workings of darkness. And we can stop feeding the demons because whatever you feed will grow and whatever you starve will die it will die it's a physical principle it's a spiritual principle first corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 listen to this they all ate talking about those that were in the wilderness referring back to psalm 78 and the israelites that were wandering through the wilderness who ate the the the, the food of angels manna now i don't believe that manna actually is what the angels eat 
but it's more so this, an atmosphere of the miraculous. And that's exactly what the manna, the quail, these things were as they journeyed through the wilderness. The miraculous working of the hand of God. The angels feed off of the miraculous. It's spiritual food to them. Why? Because when the miraculous occurs, wonderful, wonderful praise abounds to the living God. You've noticed that in your own life. When you see a prayer that you've been praying about an, an issue, a need, a problem, a difficulty that you've been praying about. And you've sought the Lord and now the answer comes. The manifestation comes and it brings you to a place where you are moved to worship, worship, worship God. I encourage you to find the simple things in life also that move you to worship giving praise to God for things that perhaps you walk by every day of your life, and yet they are the very blessings that God has bestowed in your life. And when you do that, you are feeding spiritual powers that are positive, that are godly, that are influencing you in a godly way. When you are provoked, if you will, and I mean that in a good way, to give worship and to give praise unto the living God. When you see a need met, when you see the miraculous manifest, every act of disobedience is sinfulness. Sinfulness feeds demons. Every act of the divine, every act of the miraculous, every act of the living God manifesting in our lives is spiritual food feeding, feeding spiritual powers of the living God, angelic powers. Inviting the Holy Spirit to continue to, to possess our being. And this is exactly what we've been talking about last week. When we were talking about the five wise and the five foolish virgins. I would love to say that every person in this place is walking where Christ has led them. They've been obedient to, in their walk in their relationship with Christ. But I would be foolish to think that. I know of my own struggles. And if I'm having struggles, you're having struggles. If you're having struggles, I'm having struggles. They may not be the same. They may not be identical. But we all have this battle. It's called the flesh. And we will battle with the flesh until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and brings these bodies into a place where they are incorruptible. But we are battling with the flesh. Fortunately, Jesus Christ in his anointing and his giving of the Holy Spirit has empowered us that we can literally resist the works of the enemy. Submit yourself to God, James says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you is what the word of God tells us. You don't have to give in to the works of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. But our lives need to be purified and honed for the glory of God. And we spoke last week about the five wise and the five foolish virgins and how the five wise virgins went with the bridegroom when the bridegroom came, but the five foolish were not prepared. And why were they not prepared? Simply because 
They were allowing worldliness to take over their lives. And it drained them of the oil and the fire and the brightness of the Holy Spirit that was once activated and working within their lives. And unfortunately, I'm talking to some of you today, and I'm talking to some of you that are online. You already feel the conviction in your heart of where you need to be in Christ and the fact of the matter is that you are not where you need to be. You're allowing your oil and your lamp to drain low. And on the positive side, there are many of you in here today that you're continuing to fan the fires of God's presence within your life. You continue to feed in the word of God. And even when disappointing times come, even when frustration comes, even when you find yourself in the midst of a battle, you rise up with praise and worship and adoration, not because you're praising God for the situation, but you're praising God in spite of the situation. And that brings you into a place where you are truly indeed partaking of spiritual food. Spiritual food. I shared with you last week about the five wise, the five foolish. The word wise in the Greek means prudent, thoughtful, teachable. The word foolish in the Greek is moros. And I think I shared that with you last week. It's where we get the word moron. And it means dull. In the Greek, it means dull, stupid, heedless, unteachable. And I was amused at this word, blockheads. <laughs> Absurd. Their mindset was on the ways of the world, the foolish ones. Now, I drew some characteristics out of the scriptures concerning the wise and the foolish. The book of Proverbs says this about the wise. They are strong. In other words, they're secure, bold in what they believe, not double-minded. What they speak, they hold fast to it when it's founded and established on God's word. Secondly, they are open to correction. In other words, their desire is to become more and more and more like their God, the God that they serve. They are respectful to authority. They walk in humility and respect. They guard their words. They guard their words. And I want to encourage you. Continue. Prophesy over your family. Prophesy over your loved ones. Prophesy over your situation. Because the word of God tells us that's the thing to do. And I've just recently saw the power of that. As I'm prophesying out over this congregation on a regular basis. That the power of God would manifest in all of our lives. That we would be willing to be challenged. The wise, they are discerning on how they overcome their difficulties. They think before they act. God help me. They are teachable and open to instruction. Now the foolish, on the other hand, are described in the scriptures with 
Proverbs and the words of Jesus, they continually repeat their foolishness over and over and over. They never learn. They never learn. No wonder the Bible calls them blockheads. They never learn. They despise wisdom and instruction. They're not teachable. The pastor says something from the pulpit. They reject it because they didn't like it. It wasn't because it was the truth. It was because they didn't like it. It brought conviction upon them. It said, step up a little higher. Come in a little deeper. But they're saying, I'm comfortable where I am and I don't want to be challenged. Are there people like that in the body of Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. They ignore conviction becoming hard of heart. They defy and are disrespectful to authority. They're troublemakers. Are there people like that in the body of Christ? I can name names. I will not. Disrespectful to physical authority, disrespectful to spiritual authority. They build their lives on foolishness. In other words, they are unstable, double-minded. They sow foolishness and will reap the same unreliable. And it goes on and on and on. Now, let me share with you very quickly here some characteristics of the, of the 10 foolish virgins because the 10 foolish virgins represents everyone in this congregation and everyone that's watching online. I recently heard a statistic that actually is different from one that I had heard previously by a, a consensus that was taken that 45% of born-again Christians People who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ do not attend church on a regular basis. Even though the scripture says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And yet they think nothing, nothing of violating the word of God that has been proclaimed to us. A recent poll that I had heard is even higher, which now comes into understanding with the five wise and the five foolish virgins. 50% is what I recently heard of born again Christians do not attend church on a regular basis. And you see the fact of the matter, and I believe why God tells us in his word through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is simply because I draw strength from you and you draw strength from me. We are here to proclaim God's goodness out over one another, God's favor out over one another. We draw strength, united we stand, divided we fall, we fall. We're desiring to build our homes, our lives on that which is stable, on the solid rock. But unfortunately, many Christians build their lives on that which is sinking sand. All 10 were virgins or believers. They all went, watch this. I just saw this just this morning, reading this over. 
they all went out to meet the bridegroom, all 10. They all had oil in their lamps. The Holy Spirit was active in their lives. Oil burning produces heat and it produces light. Now Jesus spoke about those in the scriptures in Matthew, Mark, and Luke concerning those who eventually fade out and allow the cares of this world or the pressures of life to weigh them down and drain them of their spiritual oil. He says this, that the seed was sown. The sower sows the seed. And some of that seed fell on rocky soil. And some fell in amongst the thorns. I believe that this is what Jesus is referring to when he speaks of the five foolish virgins. And there's no time frame to this. The Bible said that they grew up, but the cares of this life, the riches of this world, the issues of life eventually choke them out. Their roots don't go down deep. They've never allowed themselves to truly take root in the word of God and in the truth of God's word. They brush off conviction, never allowing the spirit of God to really take hold of them. And instead of conforming to the word of God, they reject the word of God simply because it's not fitting for their purpose or their plan for life. They fall on rocky soil, they fall amongst thorns, they spring up, but they did not have deep roots. They allowed the cares of this world to overtake them. I may have said it last week, I don't know, but I said it absolutely amazes me with everything that's going on in the world that's negative and destructive. People who aren't even spiritual warning us that we are on the threshold of World War III. And people continue to live their lives like nothing's happening. And then I thought, well, that's exactly what the word of God says. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. In the days of the coming of the Son of Man, they'll be living life, having their parties, giving in marriage, living life as usual until the flood came and took them all away. And we see that's exactly what happens with the five foolish virgins. They had mostly all the qualities of the five wise virgins. But when the shout was given that the bridegroom is coming and they arose and endeavored to pull their lives together, trim their wicks and their lamps, allow their lights to shine brighter. They saw that their oil had run low. They didn't even realize that they were drifting away. Their oil was running out. They had become dull to the things of the Spirit. And while they went out to find oil and buy more oil and get their lives back together, the bridegroom came and took the five wise off to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the five foolish were left behind. And just as it was in the days of Noah, 
as I'm sure the people, when the rains began to pour and the earth began to break loose with its fountains and gushers, that they're beating on the door of the ark, let us in, let us in. But you were warned, you were taught, you were preached to, and you rejected it. You allowed the issues of this world to keep you callous and indifferent. And I believe that this word of the five wise and the five foolish virgins is not an issue of condemnation, but it's an issue of warning. Whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or whether he comes back five or ten years from now, the issue is we do not know and the, we need to keep our lamps burning bright for his glory and not allow the enemy to overtake us in any way. We need to continue to establish and feed spiritual principles within our lives through acts of obedience to the word of God. Jesus warns about these last days. Paul warns about these last days. The difficulties will arise. But I tell you, church, if you are where you need to be in Christ Jesus, nothing is going to shake you. Nothing is going to move you. You are established. You are rooted. You've built your house upon the solid rock Jesus Christ and it's established with every building block with the mortar of the Holy Spirit in your life and the rains may come and the winds may come and the trials may come but you will not falter for you are established you are established you are in the realm of expectation of the glory of God the miraculous the power the anointing of Christ that not only is affecting your life but is affecting everyone around you. They will notice what Christ is doing in your life. They may think you're a little odd but they probably think that now. But people, as we continue to surrender and sell out to the voice of the Spirit of God, as my prayer has been, Lord, I want to hear your voice so clearly. I want to hear your voice so clearly that there is no doubt in my mind that this is the voice of the Spirit of the living God. I challenge you today, church, Allow the Spirit of God to do a work in your heart and your life. Push out worldliness. Push out compromise. Push out those things that you know that are destructive to your spiritual life. As Paul warned the Colossian church, get rid. Get rid of the issues that want to drag you down, beat you up, and pull you asunder. Because I tell you, dear ones, I believe that we are in a refining moment, a refining moment, a defining moment, and a refining moment. For the enemy knows, Satan knows his time is short. He's making his move. And it will fulfill the prophetic word of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 concerning a great falling away.
Yes, that speaks of the apostate church that we talked about last week. But I believe it also speaks of those Christians who are allowing the fires of the Holy Spirit to be quenched within their lives. They're allowing worldliness back into their lives. Their vocabulary is not glorifying unto God. Their actions are not glorifying unto God. They think nothing, nothing of sinful acts, lustful acts. And unfortunately, they're losing out. And it's very, very possible that these are the very ones that will go into the great tribulation in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. And I saw the souls of those who were beheaded because of their love for Jesus and their testimony for Jesus and the word of God. And they refused, they refused to worship the Antichrist, the beast. They refused to worship his image. And they refused to accept his mark upon their hands or on their foreheads. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that God has not appointed us to wrath. So what happens to these? What's these that are beheaded in the great tribulation? In summary, I believe it's simply this. Those who allowed their lives to become dull. Christians who allowed their lives to become dull. Their passion for Jesus to be quenched. They grieve the Holy Spirit. And yet they have an understanding. They do have a relationship with Christ. But when they realize that the bridegroom is on the verge of coming, they're endeavoring to pull their lives together, but they're not ready. And the five wives are taken. And now these who love Jesus, truly underlyingly, but they've allowed the cares of this life to cool their love for Christ. They go into the tribulation period and there in order to be saved, they will reject the mark of the beast, the worship of the beast, the worship of his image, and they will endeavor to testify for the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing very well that it's going to cost them their very lives. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can invite the fire of the Holy Spirit today, now, into our lives to bring us into that place where we burn hot for Jesus Christ. And we are uncaring about what people think about us. We're not indignant, indignant, we're not ignorant, but we are on fire with the presence of Almighty God. And I believe that that is ultimately the heart's desire of every person in this place and every person watching me online. That's your heart's desire. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, would, if you would, there's so much I wanted to share with you, but I want to follow what the Spirit of God is speaking to me out over this congregation. It's not the message I've prepared, but it's the message He has prepared in order for His people to be blessed, challenged, again, never condemned,
but challenged in their walk and their relationship with Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to be thinking about your life in Christ. Are you burning bright? Do you have enough oil in your lamp to sustain you? Or are you allowing the thief to steal that which you thought you had? And your lamps are burning low. I tell you, church, this is a time of commitment and dedication to the things of God. This is a time of surrender and yieldedness to the Spirit of God. So I pray, Father God, and I prophesy out over this congregation that every person in this place today, every person watching online, I prophesy out over them that the fire of Almighty God would abound within their lives and it would burn off worldliness. It would burn off that which is displeasing to the living God. It would burn off those issues of the flesh that are corrupting us and bringing us into a place where the enemy has root within our lives. I command in the name of Jesus Christ with the authority that every believer has, I command the power of God to manifest in this body and in this congregation. And we will not be silenced. We will not be stopped for our testimony is how we overcome the lies of the enemy and the works of darkness by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We proclaim Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. In his name we pray. And all of God's people said together in agreement. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged by our service. We invite you to join us again next week. Our services go live every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and at wordoflife.church. And we also meet in person every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. If God is using our church to change your life and you'd like to help us lead people to life in Jesus through your generous giving, you can do so by visiting wordoflife.church give, or you can text your donation amount to 84321. Follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you'd like to know more about what God is doing in and through Word of Life Church. God is doing incredible things here, and we are so honored that you chose to spend your time with us.